The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Thank you for January, we thank you for February, for March, for April, for May, for June, for July, for August, for September, for October. Thank you for November. We thank you, Lord, for the month of December. We thank you for the, your kindness towards us. We thank you for your favor over us. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your promotion. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father, breathe upon us afresh this morning. Doing every life present in this place that which eyes have not seen, as which ears have not heard, as which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man, and let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning again, everybody. Today is um, part two and final part, the two-part series of um, This is Love. On Christmas Day, we, we, we began the series on Christmas Day. And on Christmas Day, we explained um, the vertical side of the love, you know, that is how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everyone that believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we explained how it is love that God will call, the, will call us his own and make us his own children. It is love that will have access to the Father. And we did all that. Today we are going to be looking at the horizontal side of love. Everybody say horizontal. The horizontal side of love. And on, 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 the, on Christmas Day, we had a marital vow renewal. It was fantastic. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, it was really fantastic. Um, it's like we should be having it every week. <laughs> you know, my wife has been, has been taunting me with any small thing. She, you know, I'm a new bride now. I'm like, okay, I know. <laughs> okay. First Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read from verse 1 through to 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13. It's on the screen. If I could speak in all languages of earth and of angels, but don't have love, I would only be a noisy gong. Uh, or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I could, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possesses, possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but don't love others, I would be nothing. A useless Nobody. Everybody say useless nobody. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. 
But if I don't have love, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown tongues and special knowledge will become useless. Everybody say useless. But love. Everybody say but love. But love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Everybody say only part. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become what? Useless. When I was a child, I spoke and taught and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial. Everybody say, all that I know now is partial. How humbling. And incomplete. But then, I will know everything completely. Just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith. Hope and love. And the greatest of this is what? Is love. May God bless the reading and the understanding of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. The contention or the, the pull in the church today is between spirituality and charity. A, a part of the church is tilted um, um, unevenly or lopsidedly towards spirituality. Another side of the church is tilted unhealthily towards charity. Some say it is the power of the Holy Ghost and the speaking in our tongues and interpretation of tongues and the word of knowledge and word of wisdom and prophecy. Another say, no, it is, it is feeding the poor and um, clothing the naked and, 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 and being charitable and doing all the charitable works. And there's a pool as if God is saying to us, choose one. There's a contention as if God is saying it's either or. But if you look at scripture, you will see that it is possible to be highly spiritual and heavenly useless. From the scripture that we read, it is, it is very possible to be highly spiritual and heavenly, heavenly useless. 
You're highly spiritual on earth, quote and unquote, but heaven says, what are you doing? It's possible. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, even the second coming of Jesus, I know the time. If that were possible. And possessed all knowledge. And if I had faith that I could move mountains, but I don't love others, I would be nothing. A, a what? A useless nobody. Ouch. You mean, if I understood, if I could prophesy, if I could come to you and say, thus says the Lord, and I'm accurate, and I could come and say, that this is where you were yesterday, knowledge, and I'm accurate, and, and all that, and all that, and all that, and I don't have love, God says, I am a useless nobody. I don't want to be a useless nobody. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't be a useless nobody too, in Jesus' name. So this love thing must be so important to God and powerful. It's so powerful that, in fact, the word of God says, God is love. So, if I don't act in love, all I say will be noise. If I don't act in love, all I say will be what? Will be noise. If I don't act in love, all I say will be noise. Verse 1 of the scripture we read, 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1 says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but don't have love, I would only be a noisy gong. Everybody say noisy gong. Or a clanging cymbal. That's all. Empty. No spiritual significance. Even though I'm speaking with the tongues of men and angels. So if I don't act in love, all I say will be love. So we see clearly from this scripture that spirituality is not love. Everybody say spirituality is not love. So, those that are tilted um, on healthy towards spirituality, that's really not what God is about by itself. Of course, love will produce that. But that is not love. Also, those that are tilted um, on healthy towards charity, you will be shocked that charity is not love. In fact, some translations erroneously translated that word love to charity. It's wrong. The word there is love, not charity. It's not love. As you can see in verse 3. Verse 3 describes what charity is. Verse 3 says that if I gave everything. Everybody say everything. If I gave everything I have to the poor. Excuse me, what's that? That's charity. If I gave everything I have to the poor. And even sacrifice my body. I could boast about it. But if I don't have love, I would have gained nothing. So it means it's possible to, to give 
everything you have to the poor and still lack love. It means that it's possible to give even your body. Of course, we see that. I mean, you know, we have um, to, to evade or reduce taxes. Corporate organizations do a lot of corporate social responsibilities and all that. Is that love? <laughs> not necessarily. It could be, but not necessarily. In fact, a lot of the, a lot of us, because I am trusting that I will have a, a corporate organization one day. Say amen. <laughs> a lot of us do it for PR. We do it for goodwill. We do it as an exchange for tax cuts and reductions, which is fine because that's how the world works. But we shouldn't confuse that as what the church is about. That's not what the church is about. The church does charitable works, but the church is not a charity. Everybody say, I see. Good, now I see. <laughs> you know? Our works should, the Bible says, Jesus says, let your light shine before men. God expects us to do charitable works, don't get me wrong, that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But we see here that charity is not love. Spirituality is not love. Charity is not love. Love is a person. God is love. Praise the name of the Lord. So if that love of God doesn't exist, that is where love starts from. It starts from the love of God in your heart, the person of God in your heart. That's where it starts from. If it doesn't exist, everything you do outwardly is a is noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So that's where it starts from. Verse 13 says, these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. So it means that love is the highest expression of life. Love is the highest expression of life. And to really walk in love, we'll, we'll look at that. But, but love, what is love? What is this love? Now, there are things that you can see that you can say, this is love. Praise the name of the Lord. As far as God is concerned, there are things that you can see. You can see this, this is love. A man comes down from his car and goes to the other side and opens the door for his wife. And the wife comes out. And the people around say, oh, so romantic. That is love, right? <laughs> but that's not how God sees love. But I'm just trying to say that love can be seen. You can say something and say, this is love. 
course, that's, that is love. I mean, if it's genuine. If it doesn't end up with a punch at the end of the day. So, what, there are things that God shows us in the word of God. And that we can say, this is love. This is love. There are ten of them listed in that passage of scripture. This is love. The first one, it says, love is patient. Love is what? Patient. In your horizontal relationship, when you demonstrate patience, people can say, this is love. This is love. As we are believers, those of you that are not believers yet, you'll be believers today in Jesus' name. As we are believers in Christ Jesus, the life of God is in us. God, that is love, is in us. So that fruit of love should show through us. When we manifest our fruit of love through patience, we are patient with other people. We are showing the love of God. And the truth is that if you check, one of the most impatient people are the most ungrateful people. Why? Because we see who we are in other people. We see an amplification of who we are in other people. So check people you are impatient with. That's a bigger version of you. You is quiet now. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. But pastor, that's not always true. It's true a lot of the time. I've seen people... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Can you several examples? Let me use one. Someone, you knew how you were before you got born again. Even after you gave your life to Jesus, years passed, nothing changed. You, you see someone. That is just struggling to follow God. And you are so impatient. You are so judgmental. You are so, something is wrong with you. You are seeing a bigger version of you. So you are kicking against yourself. Love is patient. Love is patient. I mean, that guy, how come he's always hugging? You know, there's one guy in church that, you know, young guy, he's not even married. He's always hanging out with all the girls. You don't know the person. He's always, well, I know, hanging out. I mean, if we greet the guys, we quickly go to the girls. So I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Why is he always gravitating over the girls? I said, Femi, you are seeing yourself. <laughs> I mean, where I used to be. I'm not like that today anymore. And we get impatient with people because we, 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 we spot quickly the things that we are accustomed to. 
Love is patient. The church must show love. We must be patient with one another. We must be patient with one another. I have a friend that he was, his wife had offended him. And when I was in the project in Port Harcourt at the time, and we have had a mutual friend that the guy is, <laughs> is, a, is a very dramatic guy. You know, prophetic people are very dramatic, you know, guy. Very sharp prophetic giftings that he had. This is our mutual friend. So, this my friend had told me how his, friend, how his wife has upset him and how he's going to, to Lagos to show her sample. I was a sample. <laughs> Just show a sample so that everybody will begin to respect themselves. So this our mutual friend came to the room and he sat down and said, hmm, that God is saying to you that the same way you want me to treat you, when you get to Lagos, treat your wife that same way. And my friend looked at me. <laughs> looked at me. I said, you need to buy her a gift. <laughs> I'll be nice to her. You know, God, this is my friend. God, he has done, maybe horrible, but I don't know what he has done to God. And God has been merciful to him. His wife has done, and he was bent on dealing with her. And God says, I'm not saying you shouldn't deal with her. Go and deal with her. When you finish, then I will start with you. Then he became patient. Love is patient. Number two, love is kind. Love is kind. Love is kind. Love is kind-hearted. Love is kind-hearted. Love is kind. Love is not mean. God wants you to be kind to your to yourselves, to your neighbors, your brothers. I'm moving quickly. Number three, love is... Now, interestingly, <laughs> it's only the first two that defines what love is. The remaining eight shows us what love is not. Interesting. It says, love is not jealous. Everybody say, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Jealousy has ruined a lot of relationships. Marriage relationships. Friendships. Jealousy. The husband just says hi to the lady. And you are abusing the living daylight out of him. I saw your eyes. I saw where your eyes was. I'm telling you, I've been, to a, I've been with a couple and the couple said to me, Pastor, you don't understand. I know this man. I saw his eyes. <laughs> I said, ah, ah, my sister, how can you see? You, both of us, all of us are looking straight and we are on parallel level. <laughs> you could see his eyes. His eyes was looking at that girl. I said, no. He said, oh, Pastor, you don't believe me. I know this. I know this. I know this. Love is not jealous. No. 
Why? Because love is secure. Jealousy is rooted in insecurity. Love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. You mistakenly, uh, you, you're on a flight with, um, mistakenly sat beside your, your wife's ex. Before she gave her life to Jesus, you sat together on the same plane, together. And you're like, I'm going to poison his food. <laughs> those thoughts, you struggle with those thoughts. Now, listen. Everyone say, love is not jealous. It means that the enemy is trying to set you up. It means that, you see, because fear has torment. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Because perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Why? Because fear has torment. It will torment and torment and torment you, torment the relationship, torment. Just torment. The word of God says that God is what? Is love. And love is not jealous. Everybody say love is not jealous. Number four. Number one, love is patient. Number two, love is kind. Number three, love is not jealous. Number four, love is not proud or boastful. Love is not proud or boastful. Similar words but different. You can be proud and not boastful. In fact, the unboastful proud people are the most dangerous people. None of them is good. But some people are not boastful but they are innately proud people. Innately very proud people. But some are, they are proud and they are proud of being proud. <laughs> they are boastful. But God is saying that love is not proud or boastful. Pride simply means esteeming yourself higher or better than the other. It's pride. Pride has nothing to do with possession. Your possession is an amplifier of your pride. It's a, a magnifying glass of the pride. Proud Pride has nothing to do with possession. They are proud, poor people. They are poor, they don't have anything, but they're extremely proud. Extremely proud. God wants to use someone to bless you. You don't have the money. And you're saying, ah, no, I would rather die. Extremely proud. Proud and poor. But possessions magnifies your pride. And can translate to being boastful. <laughs> being boastful. You know, I, I was um, speaking, one of our pastors, we ran a project recently, and he was supposed to coordinate the project, and there was someone that 
he was supposed to get some things from. You know, so I gave him the person's contact to get the things from that the person. Now, the person is a, uh, is a child of a rich man. You know, you know that, you know. <laughs> He's a child of a rich man. And this pastor was telling me how the guy responded to him. That, you know, in a very cocky, proud way. Meanwhile, he doesn't know who he's talking to. You don't know maybe who you are talking to. You don't even know who you are talking to. Pride puffs up. It makes you feel that you are more than you are. And God doesn't like proud people. In fact, the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. People think, someone has said, you know, some Sammy says, God, don't give me too much riches, don't give me too much poverty, and all that stuff. The issue is not the wealth that you have. The wealth is just bringing out your pride. The issue is the pride. And the pride, you need to take to the cross. Jesus will take it out. So, love is not what? Proud or boastful. Number five, love is not rude. Love is not rude. Love is not rude. Love is not rude. Increasingly, the, 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 the new, well, generational shifts are happening every generation. And it appears that as each generation comes, each generation is becoming is there anything like ruder? Ruder or more rude <laughs> than the other generation. But the word of God is consistent. Love is not rude. So love is patient. Everybody say love is patient. Love is kind. Everybody say love is kind. Love is not jealous. Everybody say love is not jealous. Love is not proud or boastful. Everybody say love is not proud or boastful. Love is not rude. Number six, love does not insist on his own right. Love is not self-seeking. If any relationship, whether it's with your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your intended um, partner or your husband or your wife, every relationship that will survive will only survive on love and will only survive by not seeking your own way. Countless number of marriages are dissolved today, simple, simply because one person insists on his own right and insists on his own right and is self-seeking. For your relationships to work, you, you, you can't always insist on your own right. You can't always be self-seeking. You have to let go. Someone says, in fact, this is the definition of meekness, really. Not insisting on your own rights. That's meekness. 
And someone says meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. It's power under control. You know it's your right. It's not like you are confused, but you don't take it as your right. You give your rights away. That is love. Praise the name of the Lord. And that is tough. Tough. So number one, love is patient. Number two, love is kind. Number three, love is not jealous. Number four, love is not proud or boastful. Number five, love is not rude. Number six, love does not insist on its own rights. Number seven, love is not irritable. Love is not irritable. Is not fretful. Is not resentful. So when you find out that in your horizontal relationship, you are irritable at someone, that's not love. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. When you see resentment growing, that's not love. Praise the name of the Lord. When you see resentment taking hold, that is not love. I was hoping to expound more on these things, but <clears throat> I'll go on. Number eight, love does not keep record of wrong. Now, I need to sit down here and build a tent. <laughs> if I don't expand on anything, I must expand on this one. <laughs> love does not keep record of wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. Love. Everybody say love. Does not keep record of wrong. Some people will tell you the year, the month, the date, and the time. And the place. And what you were wearing. <laughs> You see, a lady is doing like this. This style of air you, you add on. That is why in 1970 something, you said this. You think I didn't know? In 1980 something, you said that. Then, exactly three months after, you said this. <laughs> How do you survive that kind of relationship? Praise the Lord. Love does not keep record of wrong. 
You know, like like I've said before, the, one of the I mean the the, the closest relationship ever really is the relationship between a husband and a wife. Even closer than parents, it should be closer than father and daughter or. And that is where you can experience the greatest joy. The closer the relationship, the closer the joy, and the closer the vulnerability, the closer the, the higher the pain when they happen. And when things happen and they are hurtful and they are deep, sometimes you don't want to let go of them. So you record it. Some, of, some people actually have journals. They say their excuses, Pastor. I uh, know I'm a journaling person. I just keep journals. I'm not keeping record of wrong. I just keep journals. I will date it and time it and frame it. While there's nothing wrong with keeping journals, God has told us the kind of journal not to keep. When it is of wrong, don't journal it. Is that correct? Don't write it down. Don't write it down. Don't write it down. Everyone say, don't write it down. And when we are able to get a place in God, that God is so in us that we are we don't keep record of wrong. You, the quality of your life will be so amazing. Because the quality of your relationship will just shoot up. Because you are not, you, you see, if you keep record of wrong, you can't, when you are seeing the person, you are seeing the event. And something my wife does to me when, you know, some. Some people think that pastor cannot do any wrong, right? Pastor is only is a saint. That is not correct. So when I've done a wrong thing to my wife, she just does like this. I write you a ticket. I collect it. Well, that's the ticket of forgiveness. She just writes it to me and I collect Only God knows how many tickets I've collected. <laughs> Forgive and let it go. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't keep record of wrong. The pastor, I should forget it. Yes. Forget it. Yes. Not remember it again. Yes. Let it go. Yes. What if he does it again? Then it will be new. to be new. You know, Peter had this issue. He said that Jesus, this thing that you are saying, is not practical, no. He says, Jesus, how many times should my brother forgive me? Tell me now. How many times? I want to know. Because you are preaching these things in the sky. It's in the sky. It's not realistic. Bring it home. Jesus, how many times should my brother forgive me? I'm sorry, offend me. Before I for, that I have to forgive him in one day. Jesus said that is simple. 70 times, 7 times. So what? 490 times. So Jesus said to Peter, 
if your brother offends you more than 490 times in one day, don't forgive him. That is funny, right? <laughs> Even if you are living with the devil. <laughs> when he gets to 300, he will stop. <laughs> Do you understand? He will stop. He will talk to himself. There is something wrong with me. You know, it's, it's amazing. And you will really have a problem if you can keep track of 490 times in one day. Something is wrong with you. What comes in the morning? One, two, three. In other words, Jesus is saying it is, it, it's impractical. Don't bother about keeping score. It's not, it's two, one. Now it's, we are even. You know, some, some people, they, 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 they are so vindictive that until they get even, they don't, they don't rest. She did this to me. I need to get even. I need to draw my pound of flesh. When you finish drawing all your pound of flesh, what will be left? Bones. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Love does not what? Keep record of wrong. Say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I wipe away every record of wrong that I have kept. In Jesus' name. As you are going into the new year, wipe it away. Wipe all the records of wrong away. Wipe them away. Wipe them away. Wipe them away. Wipe them away. Don't carry anything into the new year. Wipe them away. But pastor, my wife was incorrigible. I don't know what that means, but wipe it away. (laughs) But wipe it away. Wipe it away. Set yourself free. Praise the name of the Lord. Number 10. I was just checking. (laughs) Number 9. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love doesn't rejoice. When somebody falls, love does does not rejoice. When there is Injustice. Love does not rejoice. Love doesn't say that serves him right or that serves her right. But love stays in the place of truth and justice. And number 10, love never gives up. Ever say love never gives up? It never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. 
if every marriage will print this and read it as often as possible. Marriages will be so strong. So strong. If you will read it, every, your relationships will be so strong. Your relationships with your, your father, with your mother, with your friend, with your spouse, with your colleague will be so strong. Why? Because God wants us to walk in love. God wants us to walk in love. Love never gives up. Love always, always hopes. Love is always hopeful. Love is always hopeful. Your husband is going through a hard time. Really hard time. Love never gives up. Love stays with him. And backs him up. He never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Endures through our circumstances. When my wife and I were still running a, um, a house fellowship, there was this couple. They just got married. Nearly wed. <clears throat> staying in the same estate. For some strange reason, the man had some serious financial problem. Very serious that it, they were struggling to eat. The lady came from a very rich home. After a few weeks of marriage, weeks, maybe was it up to three months? Maybe six months, let's be generous, but definitely not up to a year. After a few months of marriage, the lady said, ah, 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 wait, 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 wait to when you were coming to toast me, you were coming with an air-conditioned car. Now you've lost the car. You can't, so there's, you can't even feed nothing. She said, when you are ready to marry a wife, come and meet me, my father. And she packed and left. And the guy almost committed suicide. Really, he almost died. what do we do? Stand by him, prayed with him, encouraged him, you know, and all that, and all that. It was like, <laughs> I don't live in Zulu Lereo. You understand what that means? Oh, come on. Zulu <laughs> Lereo. Everybody, do you know surulere? Surulere means, the meaning of surulere means patience is profitable. I don't live in patience is profitable. And she left. Why? Because she doesn't understand that love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love always endures. 
sometimes you're wondering, why, why is this, why am I not married, for instance, or, you know, and all that stuff. Maybe God wants you to understand that love always endures. Are, are you ready? You're ready, yeah. And years passed. And the guy's fortune turned. Doing so well. Married another wife. He didn't go back to meet her. And he has about two, three children now. Now, I know some of you say, but he should go back to his wife. That's why I don't know. I don't know. But pastor, that is fornication. It is his wife that he married. That that is what he should stick with. When we get to heaven, we will find out. Praise the Lord. I won't judge him. No, 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 no. I won't. But, Suru Leri, She would wish that she had stayed. But she did not. Because she didn't have love. Love stays through thick and thin. That is love. And to unleash this love as a, as a roundup this morning are two keys. We've talked about the first one from the beginning of this teaching over and over and over and over and over. To unleash this love. The first key is from verse 3 of that um, 1 Corinthians 13 that we read, the Amplified Version. Verse 3 says that even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but, I, but have not love, that is God's love in me. Everybody say God's love in me. I gain nothing. God's love in me is that love we are talking about. That's the key. On Christmas Day, we gave it um, a um, life example, rather, a story, a true story of a, of a man. Remember that story? The only thing that can make a man do that is only God's love in his heart. God's love. That's the first key. If you don't have God's love, how do you know you have God's love? Listen, Jesus says that if as many as received him, to them gave he what? Power to become the sons of God. When you get saved, when you get born again, God himself dwells in you and his love is shed abroad your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the first key. The second key, when you have this God's love in you, 
The second key to unleashing this highest expression of life is found in verse 11. It says that when I was a child, I, speak, I spoke as a child. I taught as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, everybody said, when I grew up, I put away childish things. The key is growing up. Because I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Sir, Madam, God wants you to grow up. When I grew up, I put away childish things. When I grew up, I put away childish things. It did not say, when I grew up, childish things left me. Childish things don't leave people. Uh, you put away. The reason why some people remain immature, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever, is because they are wondering, how come I'm still childish? Maybe that's how I am. No, no, that's not how you are. Put away. Everybody say, put away. Put away childish things. So, it is childish to be impatient. Childish to be unkind. It is childish to be jealous. It is childish to be proud and boastful. It is childish to be rude. It is childish to insist on your own way and be self-seeking. It is childish to be irritable. It is childish to be keeping record of wrong. It is childish to rejoice in iniquity and injustice. It is childish to give up. And God is saying, when I grew up, I put away childish things. God wants you this morning, even as God is in your heart, the love of God is shed abroad your heart, to put away childish things. Every man knows that it's easier to be a boy than a man. Think about it. It's not easier to be a boy than a man. You're drinking mommy's milk, driving mommy's car, staying under mommy's roof, eating mommy's food, not responsible for nothing. That's easier. But when you become a man, So people are calling you daddy. You have to provide for them physically. You have to give them spiritual covering. You have to stand strong in the time of trouble. You have to stand away from the influence of your mother and your father. Even though they will still try to control you. It's just human. <laughs> Not that they are, witch, they are witches or wizards. <laughs> That's just how human beings are. Human being is the only animal that lay hold of his young till death. Every other animal, let them go. 
In fact, if they don't go, they kick them out of, of the nest. It's only human beings. Say, I have a room for you in this place. I built this house to be very big so that we can all stay as, a, as one happy family. When I became a man, everyone said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. God wants his love abroad your heart today to manifest and show forth in your horizontal relationships. Let's bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads as we pray. Think about where you've been childish and begin to put away those childish things, impatience, unkindness, jealousy, keeping record of wrong, seeking your own way. You may be here and you are saying, but I need to even take the first step. The love of God needs to be in my heart. I know my heart is hard. Like a stone, the love of God is not there. I am not saved. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you today. I don't need you to come forward. I need wherever you are seated. I want to pray with you. You are saying, Pastor, I used to be born again, but I'm backsliding. I'm, I'm way away from God. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, let's keep our eyes closed. Let's focus on God. I want to pray with you. God has brought you here for a purpose. Pastor, pray with me. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. I want to know you are there. Quickly. God bless you. Put up your hand. Put up your hand well over your head.